Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show today, we have Julianne Hepburn. Julianne, it's great to see you again, and thanks so much for being here with us. How are you? My pleasure. Awesome. Before, before we get into the interview, here's a little bit about Julianne. Julianne is the founder of National Private Client Group, LLC, which is a financial advisory firm headquartered in Chicago. Her company promotes sound wealth building principles that leave behind the broken system of traditional financial planning. She is also a licensed life, health, and long-term care insurance professional and an investment advisor at representative. So I know you have some great content for this interview. So without further ado, Julianne, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, by the way. This is a a treat. So, and I do, I have a lot of real estate clients. Uh, A little bit about me. I've been in the financial services business 25 years. I started when I was 10. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and I, really started my practice in a traditional fashion. And what I realized pretty quickly uh, on was the fact that it was more, it felt more moral hazard uh, than it did anything else. So I was actually going to be getting out of the business. And what I realized uh, at that point, I was actually introduced to my, um, my mentor and sadly uh, he passed away this last week. Um, He had a good run. Uh, Nelson Nash, he's a fantastic human being, and uh, that completely changed the focus and the, and the direction and trajectory of my business in being able to help people create their own private banking system to be able to um, uh, harness the horsepower of financial institutions um, and take advantage of that and leverage that themselves. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you for that. And so today we are going to talk about self-empowered banking and we're just going to scratch the surface as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but um, we'll get we'll get as much into it as we can. But can you tell the listeners a little bit more about what self-empowered banking is? Absolutely. It is really a savings vehicle uh, for people on the front side. In fact, this is something uh, what we are using is what all Americans used prior to the 1970s. Uh, We are using a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy with a mutual insurance company. That is exclusively what we use for this. And I refer to it as self-empowered banking. That's uh, also interchangeable with privatized banking and infinite banking and even bank on yourself. So I may use those terms interchangeably, uh, but but they all mean the same thing. The reason we stick primarily to referring to it as self-empowered banking is because it's a, I found that it was a lot more descriptive of what we're actually doing here. Perfect. Can you talk about maybe the top three to four benefits of uh, infinite banking or self-empowered banking? So I like to use the acronym CLUE. Uh, 
control, liquidity, use, and equity. So what we're really doing, the first three are pretty self-explanatory, uh, but really in order to have access, liquidity, use, and control of the money, you're really, um, it, so it doesn't really matter whether you are unemployed or whether you are um, uh, disabled. No application process, uh, nothing along those lines. You have full and immediate um, and primary access to the cash that you're uh, accumulating in this bucket, let's say, for right now. Uh, so, so that gives you a pretty clear aspect. And then equity, you'd be surprised at how much it looks very much like uh, real estate, the way that it uh, accumulates additional wealth. What I will add to this is also the fact that it's, you know, wealth must reside somewhere until you're going to use it. So you can easily consider this to be, you know, a bank vault for you because tellers use the, ba the bank vault when they get done paying the, uh, or counting their money at the end of the day, they put their money in the safe until they need it next. So it's an easy way to think about it. It's not in jail. It's immediately available for you. Okay. Can you take us kind of on a high level on just, if I was going to start this policy, what would that look like? And uh, how would I utilize that policy? And what are some of the things that I get along with that policy? Because I believe there's some life insurance along with that as well, correct? Absolutely. So when you're looking at one of these policies, if you immediately started one of these policies today, we would, in, it, really, it's highly engineered dividend paying whole life insurance. Again, it's important to understand that this is the oldest financial tool in our country. Uh, it's been around for over 150 years, and it's also not had any changes made to it. Uh, there's one fairly insignificant, meaning we can overcome that when we're engineering these contracts for our clients. But even people who have a, an existing dividend-paying whole life insurance, and the reason I keep saying that all the way out is because I would never suggest that you consider using a policy, any other cash value type life insurance policy to do what we're talking about doing. The, the biggest consideration or the biggest concern, uh, in my opinion, is the fact that you want to make sure that when you're using this for, for banking purposes, uh, what you're really saying, there's a big difference between saving and investing. And that gets confused and cloudy all the time. So what we're really doing here is we're saving so that you have the opportunity to be doing investing in properties and uh, other real estate opportunities, maybe even just financing capital expenses. Um, but the really easy way to consider this or, or think about this is the fact that if you had money and you were putting it in the stock market, right? So you're bearing 100% of the risk on that. Uh, on the flip side, and that's investing. On the flip side of that, putting money into a savings account, say, at a bank, until recently, uh, they, the, it, there was a zero risk proposition to you and that was considered saving, right? So it's important for us to keep in mind that that's actually what we're doing here. Um, not that completely answered your question. Can you go, maybe go into a little bit more detail on on the structure of it? I, I know it will depend on the person and and you know which which type of um, layout they go with, but just maybe just high level. Just let's just say I have you know fifty grand, and how would I get started? It's a great question. The short answer is it depends. 
that that's always the answer, <clears throat> but it's probably easier to um, help you understand that this is uh, this is something that um, you're you're what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to pay the premiums in order to be able to utilize the capital that you're accumulating. Like I said, it's a savings vehicle, but on the flip side, once you've got enough set up, uh, you'll be able to um, utilize the capital. So if we were looking at uh, $50,000 as a lump sum, we're probably going to need to structure that and, and put that into the contract over a two to five year period of time. I alluded to one material change, and I'm trying not to get too far into the weeds with this, but one of the material changes is that you can't overfill. So think of it like a glass. You can't overfill a glass. There's a top high watermark on the, on the glass in order to make sure that it remains, uh, in our case, to make sure that your policy is going to, to um, remain underneath the tax guidelines of not being considered an investment. So really that's the the critical piece here and why we customize these uh, so that you would be able to use. I know that's not actually an answer to that question, but it's a, that's a loaded question. Maybe an easier response would be, okay, I've, I've got cash flow that I would like to use in this particular scenario um, of roughly 10,000, right? So that could actually be monthly, annual, quarterly, whatever the mode is that works best for your financial uh, scenario. And it's also important to point out that it doesn't matter how old you are based on the reason and the way that we're engineering these life insurance policies, because our first objective isn't uh, for the death benefit, although I'm not going to discount that because that's, I've never delivered a death check and had somebody say, no, 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 we don't. We don't want that. That's, we don't need that. So, uh, but for our purposes today, what we're really talking about is, is creating a, um, a pool of money to use as a resource. So that's typically best if you've had an opportunity to do this over a few years. There are certainly scenarios where we could do this on a shorter schedule, but there may be more optimal options to look at for that, that we would um, investigate. Okay. And you mentioned utilizing the capital once it's in there. Can you talk a little bit to that and the benefits of that? Cause I know that's a huge piece of this uh, puzzle. Absolutely. The, the, the cash f accumulation inside the policy, uh, like I said, you have first right and access to that money at any time. Now you're not technically borrowing money from your self you're actually borrowing money from the general funds of the insurance company. And so they're going to be charging you an interest rate on that. Really, all that requires is, if you're working with me, that requires a phone call to my office. We set up the loan. Uh, we initiate the loan request from the insurance company. And they'll send you a check. And if you've already got your account set up, they could actually you know, send it directly to your bank account. So... What's going to happen is the insurance company is charging you interest in advance for the following period of time until your next policy anniversary date. Policy anniversary date is a big deal. I need to make sure that I make it clear that when you have a whole life insurance policy, you're an owner of the insurance company. So if the three of us own policies with one of the companies that we're working with, the three of us are in business together. 
we mutually own that insurance company. So by being an owner of any company, you're entitled to the profits of the insurance company or of any company, really. So, so in this particular case, depends on who your accountant is and what he refers to it as, but it's either going to be called dividends, distributions, or retained earnings, but basically it's all, as you know, is profits of the, of, of the company. In this case, insurance companies refer to those as dividends. So along with the money that you're putting into the policy, you're getting a, what is a tax-free uh, profit from the insurance company. It's categorized differently with them. Uh, but for our conversation today, I just want people to conceptually be able to understand this. Um, so, so alongside the money that you're putting into the policy, uh, that's also funds that are available to you as well for your endeavors. And just like an airplane, when it's flying, when that plane takes off, it's filled with fuel. It can't do things. It can't maneuver as well. It can't do things that it, that it will be able to do the closer it gets to its destination. And the other key thing here is the fact that I, I referred to its destination. This policy is called whole life because it's intended to be in place for your whole life. It's not something you're going to cash out of. You're going to leverage and utilize this policy. And the longer you own it, the more efficient it will become. Okay. So if I had a hundred thousand dollars and I wanted in the, in the, in the policy and I wanted to borrow 50,000. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about how it's still getting those dividend payments off of the hundred thousand? Great point. Thanks for bringing that up. So what's happening inside the policy if you went to your bank and you had $100,000 in your savings account and you took out $50,000, let's say you take out all $100,000, okay? It'll make the scenario easier. You take out all hundred. How much are you going to have, uh, how much of that is going to be earning interest in your Zero. bank account? Exactly. So in a life insurance policy, just simply the way that the policy is just because of what the animal is you're receiving a guaranteed uh, return. It's with most of the companies that I work with, at least uh, currently, uh, they're all paying about a gross 40, excuse me, <laughs> that'd be nice, um, a gross 4%. So I don't know how, and that's tax-free. So if the money is, if you've borrowed money from the general funds of the insurance company, that $100,000 is still earning that guaranteed rate with the insurance company. They are charging you interest, but it's usually about a point to a point and a half difference that you're really looking at between the two, but I'm crushing everyone else that's, that's using capital that they have available. Right, absolutely, you're borrowing at a little rate. So that, that's what I love about the infinite, infinite banking process. So, okay, so are all life insurance policies kind of created equal and able to use the system? No. I sort of pointed at that earlier, but that's a really, that's a really critical piece because there's a lot of people that I, that are in my industry that will tell you that you can use any kind of cash value policy to do this. And that's, that's absolutely not true. So with a, with a mutual insurance company where you're an owner and the, um, policies a mutual, or excuse me, is a whole life insurance policy when that contract is struck, it's a private contract. So the only people who know how much is in there is you and the insurance company and whoever you told, which is true about any other 
cash value life insurance policy, but the insurance company bores 100% of the risk when that policy is put into into force. Okay, that's really key because it's 100% of the other kinds of policies. There's all kinds of machinations. There's universal, variable universal, indexed. There's a whole bunch of different universal policies and Often, unfortunately, I run into it a lot. People are left with the impression that they have a whole life policy and they actually don't. With all of those, the risk is borne 100% by the policy owner. And that's a really big difference because they can, they can move things around inside that contract that will make it very unfavorable for you to, to utilize it in any way. So I would strongly suggest only using... In fact, um, banks use... A uh, few people know this, but this is a fun fact. Banks use dividend-paying whole life insurance. Uh, they buy it on the executives of the bank, and that is what they use for first-tier capital. So, Wow, okay. So this... What do they know that we don't know, right? Right, exactly, <laughs> which is a lot apparently, right? So you mentioned earlier that this has been around for 150 years. And so mm-hmm. I think that infinite banking or self-empowered banking has kind of um, come up a lot more over the over the last four or five years, uh, in my opinion, at least to me. Why did it take so long for this to start coming up to um, the public and into more people? To the surface, so to speak. Correct. <laughs> uh, so this is an interesting discussion. Um, my mentor that I mentioned to you uh, wrote literally wrote the book around 2000. So that's about when I met him. Um, it, it, I was familiar prior to that. So um, the here's what I find. When we get closer to a bust in the cycle, economic cycle, uh, Keynesian economic cycle, then what we're really running into is people are now trying to figure out how to solve for the fact that they have a shortfall or they're now unemployed or they're, you know, a lot of these things. And so what we find is that there's a line out the door and down the block when I'm uh, right after in 08 and 09 through 13, I was incredibly busy. Um, And what we're really trying to build myself and, and literally a very, very small group of uh, other advisors. So we're trying to create a tipping point. We're trying to get to a 10% and I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you and your listeners about this. Uh, another fun fact is the fact that Kiyosaki works with one of my colleagues and very good friend of mine. Um, so, you know, again, what do they know that we don't know or, or that other people don't know? So it's worth investigating. It seems complicated. Um, I would say that you know, really this sort of draws in the three responses I typically get. Um, Too good to be true. How come I've never heard of this? And why isn't everyone doing this? Well, it's different. It's not what everyone else is currently doing. The government has, and and the financial institutions, make a lot of money having people put money into tax-qualified plans, specifically ones that are run by uh, the management companies and offered by their employers. So, majority of America uses uh, that as their way to try and save or create some, the exit strategy hasn't been really completely thought through with those. 
creating a passive stream of income um, and utilizing this kind of a tool, I do believe is starting to get a little bit closer. And technology like this has been very, very helpful for myself and my other colleagues to be able to try and get the message out there to people. Okay. What are the fees that are associated with this system? And are these one-time fees or are these ongoing? Great question. Um, there are no fees with a dividend-paying whole life policy. You just have to be able to pay the premiums. <laughs> so it's important to know that, that the premiums are designed custom for you. So, I mean, you can start one of these policies for as little as 25 or, or 50 bucks a month. But literally, you can get involved and start with your first policy at a very low level. I often, you know, tell people, start, you know, start small, go slow. Uh, I have some people that are very ambitious and they want to start with $100,000. But um, the idea here is to just get familiar with this and be able to um, have it be a comfortable amount, but there is no, there are no uh, fees associated with it. Um, so it's, the costs are built into the first two years of the premium that you're going to be paying. That's the easiest way, the shortest way to describe it today. Okay. And you mentioned earlier that you can, or the banks take policies out on their executives. Can you talk a little bit more about taking out multiple policies and not just on yourself, but also people that you know? Absolutely. That's, I think, one of the, the only way that this stays small is your imagination. So, you know, it's really, it can go as, as big as you can imagine, right? So uh, I have only in my career had one person not have the ability to do this because he didn't, he couldn't, he was not insurable and his, uh, he didn't have anybody that he could, that he had an insurable interest in that he could put a policy on their life and own. So that's a, that's a pretty big statement for a 25 year career <laughs> not having, so that was a unique situation. But even if you're older or uninsurable, you're not out of this game. You still have access and opportunity because you probably know people that you would be able to put it on their lives. Most people have kids. Most people have parents. Uh, most people have business uh, colleagues or staff. Um, I, I take them out on, on all of my staff. So the ones that are no longer working with me, I still own those policies and those are still an asset for me. By the way, it's important to point out that this sits in the asset column. Based uh, on the taking out policies, do you need approval from these people in order to take out a policy? Or can you just kind of say, hey, I'm going to take out policies on these 10 people? No. How does that work? They will have to be involved in the process. They do have to accept. They will have okay. to um, sign the application. And if they're children, they need to be, uh, the application needs to be signed by the guardian. But other than that, really, you're really able to, to take out a policy on anybody that you uh, have an insurable interest, which means that you have some kind of either a formal, meaning business, or personal loved one or someone that you care about, that you uh, would be able to take it out on them. And there's really no limit to the amount uh, that you, my suggestion is always take it out on yourself first and, uh, and then work from there. You really do want to kind of create a, a network of these policies. 
depending on how big or how small you start them, this is all part of our strategy when we're developing this out. By the way, you definitely want to do this with somebody who is an expert at this and isn't just your insurance broker down the street, because this does take a, a, some skill to be able to create these. But the insurance companies will only insure you up to a certain level. It's typically a multiple of your income. Uh, but then that doesn't mean that you can't then go, you know, take it out on your wife or take it out on your children or um, you know, additional policies and sort of create this network of them, which becomes uh, the self-empowered banking system. So let's not confuse the concept or the idea of what we're doing with the actual policy itself. That's a set. Think of the policy as the chassis of the vehicle, right? So then we put a different body on it um, or, or add to, right? With, with uh, amenities. Can people take out multiple policies on you? So could, you know, Lolita take one out on me, my parents take one out on me, my sister take one out on me. So there's four or five policies out on one person? Yes. Yep. Got it. Okay, perfect. Can you give us a quick example or case study that um, on how this tool is best used? Yeah, it's funny <laughs> because I had a, I had um a case example. In fact, we'll go ahead and uh, make that available to the listeners. For a doctor who has used this from everything from real estate to building out an entire new uh, office space, capital equipment, all of those types of things. And it really spells it out with all the numbers, but based on the amount of time that we have today, I, I think we'll leave that to, for them to subscribe to, or to um, not subscribe, to download. And I imagine that you'll make that available to them on, on the uh, podcast link. But the one that came up this week, this is probably one of the, the craziest and funnest stories that I have. Uh, this particular couple has purchased a home and uh, it's a massive older um, vintage home and it needed a, a ton of work done to it. The, Paper was being is being carried by um, a broker. We'll put it that way, and usually charges a fee. Isn't in this particular case, but they've been doing all of the rehab of this home. Every, I mean, literally down to studs and and everything. They're now at a point. I I just got the phone call yesterday. They're now at the point where they need to make the down payment. Or they need to get the mortgage switched over to them, and so we were discussing all of the costs that they have already paid to this point and all of the uh, down payment that they're going to need to finance this property to take over ownership of it. A hundred percent of that has come from their series of policies that they have in place. And the best part about this story and what I really want your listeners to take away from this is that's great because they've had their policies for a, a, quite a few years or a, a enough years, seven or eight years, I think at this point, uh, which isn't a lot in the grand scheme, but here's the behind the scenes with this particular scenario. I am so excited for this couple. They have, when they first came to me, they were upside down. It was right after 08, upside down. And they were not in a position, they made a decision, listen, we're in so much debt, we have income but no cash flow. Uh, so we got to get a handle on this. And in order to do that, 
we're going to make a decision that we're not having children until we do this. I mean, they had college debt, they had everything. Um, I'm, I'm happy to report that they have a five and seven year old. Um, and they're very, very happy and they've become very proficient at this system. They took it very seriously and it really, they would not be able to be where they are and do what they're doing. Had that, if this wasn't the foundation of what they are doing financially. So it's, great case. Yeah, good story. Awesome. So I know that you can continue to go in the weeds in this and I suggest everyone kind of reach out to Julianne and, and get more information because we're just scratching the surface on how this system can be used. But is there anything else I didn't ask you that you want to kind of tell the listeners about right now? One of the things that I think is really important for people to understand right now is one of the things that I'm spending a lot of time looking at is the tax train that's probably coming in the not too distant future. And the implication of that for most people um, is going to be fairly jolting uh, if they have their money in their 401ks and, and tax qualified plans. So one of the things that's really important is this tool can also be utilized to be able to help people in that area to get their money tax neutral so that they may be able to make some of these other um, opportunities that come their way in real estate or, or whatever it is to have that money available and, and accessible to them. There's uh, I have a tremendous amount of concern around this area uh, for clients and planning for, you know, their, their um, great income gap in retirement, which could potentially happen. And I know part of why people invest in real estate is to get a passive stream of income, but this becomes sort of an albatross that I, that just is becoming really, really prevalent. 9,000 people are retiring or not retiring, turning 65 every day. That's a lot of people in America. So this has really become a pretty significant piece of um, building strategies for people. And most people are planning for their um, accumulation phase of their life. And really what passive income is designed for is to be able to have the, the distribution portion of your life or being able to pull income. In retirement, everything is income. It's either income to you or it's income to the government. It's income to, you know, other people. So uh, that's a really important area that I think everyone needs to spend some time focusing on thinking about while they're, while they're building their financial strategies, either going up or coming down. Great. So Lolita's going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Julianne, here we go. What is the one tool that you use in real estate investing or your specific industry that you cannot do without? Uh, this is a great, immediately what comes to mind is, uh, and everybody should write this down, it's called Truth Concepts. It's a software calculation uh, calculator that is used to calculate, depending on what you put in as the inputs, particularly for people who are investing it like literally just investing in real estate, you can do it when you're buying a home as well for yourself. But really this tool is, can't be done without. Um, and you can actually go online and just look up truth concepts uh, and you can get a 30 day free trial of that. And I use it a lot with my real estate clients. Perfect. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Or if that question doesn't relate to you, maybe a client that you worked with to get them out of a big mistake they were previously in? Oof. 
Well, I can tell you lots of mistakes I've made uh, in investing. Um, startups can be very similar to real estate. And, uh, and I had a startup situation that um, turned upside down, but it was 100% funded by my policy. Uh, <laughs> so the upside, it's sort of inadvertent, but the, but the takeaway really is the fact that I uh, still haven't paid off those obligations to my policies. But if you pay premiums and you pay loan interest on the policy, the policy will still grow no matter what. So I have hundreds of thousands of dollars out of my policies right now because of a, <laughs> a bad deal. And, mm -hmm. um, but I'm still in a position to be able to, to you know, I mean, the policies are still fine and I'm still mm -hmm. fine. Um, it's probably the, the easiest one for me to, to offer. Perfect. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Let's see. Um, really, along with not only getting better and better at what I do, but being able to teach, uh, learning more, of course, um, and that's constant, um, but being able to um, create that tipping point. That's a really key part for me. I don't personally believe in retirement for me. That's not really something that I expect to ever do. Um, I really expect that I'm going to continue moving in the direction uh, sort of indefinitely or as long as I'm capable of doing so uh, to, to be able to help other people. It makes a pretty significant difference in my life. Um, there is something really satisfying and I can't imagine doing anything other than what I do. Um, when people reach out for you and say that you completely changed my life. So getting better at that, I guess would be. <laughs> That's great. And finally, Julianne, where can people find out more about you? There's two places I'd like to suggest. Uh, right now, my website, unfortunately, is under construction, but you can go to uh, nationalprivate.com. That'll get you pointed in the direction where you'll be able to reach out for me. You can email me, set, schedule an appointment, make a phone call. Um, and the other is bit.ly, uh, uh, let me see if I get this right, bit.ly slash npcg how so it's how <clears throat> so it's that's where that the um the listeners can find the document uh that i mentioned previously and they'll be able to root around and find some additional information but really a lot of this is going to be easier for them to understand if we have a conversation and it's really specifically structured um custom for them Awesome. Uh, great quality information. It was such a privilege to meet you a few months ago in person and listen to you speak at one of the local meetups. So we hope you'll come back and be our special guest speaker at our Long Beach meetup in the future. So yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks for your time and, and best of luck to all your listeners that are, um, you know, either getting into or becoming experts at real estate. This is a great opportunity and the two of these marry very well. So yeah. glad to be a part of it. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks for your Julianne. time, Julian. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. 
Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.